The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Warning. This episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of medical procedures, and potentially disturbing material throughout. Listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week, we get to sit down sad and alone in our bedrooms and chat over the phone about something weird. That's right. This is week nine in isolation for the podcast, but we're still hanging on to our sanity. My name is Ashley, and this is my co host, Lauren. Hello, weirdos. And this week is very exciting. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a weather balloon? None of the above. It's a freaking government-substantiated UFO, baby. That's right. Government-substantiated, so throw on your tinfoil hats, get out your binoculars, and stock up on canned foods, because we're going to be talking about aliens. Let's go, girl. I'm so excited. I actually wanted to ask you this, because like, we had an episode, we had an aliens episode planned for this season, just like regardless, because it's one of our favorite topics, but we really didn't touch on it. Um, since season one, like aside from last week, Joe and I were able to like give you a little taste, but like, why didn't, why didn't we do an alien episode since season one? I don't think there was ever a reason. Cause I remember okay. it being brought up in season two at one point, And I think we were like, maybe we'll do it again, but let's put it like towards the end of the season. Cause we did two alien episodes in season one. So let's like chill out for a second. And then season two went by and season three, we just got like jam packed with life. So I think there just was never an opportunity yeah. for it. I don't know. It just kept getting pushed. I had to take some poking to get Joe to do it again. I think that he felt like he didn't have enough good stuff to say for another alien episode. Gotcha. And so but he and did, I, was, of course. I know. And then he had a whole episode's worth. So I was like, you liar. Um, he always <laughs> says that. It's always some comment of like, I don't know if don't I'm know ready if for that. And then he, he brings all the smarts every time. Everybody loves getting schooled by science joe <laughs> everyone loves joe i know it's he did fun. i don't know if you heard last week's episode it was really good i, I really did. liked his uh it was really good his people that he talked about that was mm-hmm. crazy um, i loved it obviously since season one there have been a lot of developments in the world of et the pentagon just officially released and substantiated the ufo videos that were leaked by the to the stars academy of arts and science which was co-founded by Tom DeLonge of Blink-182, which is a sentence that you'd think would come out of a satire movie, but here we are. It's real. It's real. It's a thing. I love that the Pentagon just substantiated three videos of UFOs, and the entire world went like, yeah, 
And? Yeah, of course. What else you got? After the last year, it's like nothing's going to surprise us. <laughs> no, it was hilarious. I saw the article a million times on Instagram and Facebook, and no one was overreacting at all. Everyone no. had a very straightforward response of like, yep. Yeah, okay. okay. And uh, also, my grandma's birthday is tomorrow. If everyone would like to text her a hello, like everybody <laughs> just moved on to the next topic so quickly. It was hilarious. I love that that has, is what our world has become. I know, because they've always been like, if we if they think that there's aliens, people are going to go nuts. And it's just yeah. like, at this point, you could be like, Mars is just a muffin in the sky. And we'd be like, probably, who cares? Nothing matters. Yeah, that's great. Nothing matters at all. Life is falling apart. It's fine. We have murder yeah. hornets. Like, it doesn't matter. Ugh, when the murder hornets got announced, I was like, Do should we just all jump off our balconies? Should like, what? Just, what is, is Should we end it all? I don't know what else to do. My goodness. Joe and I were talking about that because it's like, okay, so there's a pandemic that's killing uh, hundreds of thousands of people. There's mm. the murder hornets thing. There's all mm -hmm. the locusts eating Africa, like just eating yep. it. Eating it up. And then Joe gets a call or a text or something yesterday from his dad who's over, you know, he lives in Connecticut. He's on the other side of the country. And they're expecting a, like, huge snowstorm in May. Yeah. So it's like, That's, what is the happening? The Midwest got hit with snow. Yeah, <laughs> that happened last weekend. I was like, the world truly is ending. There are snowstorms in May. None of us can leave our homes. Murder hornets are coming our way. Like nothing, nothing is right in the world right now. And I think, I think this is the end times and we just need to face it, guys. Just hunker down and do your best and we're going to make it. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. But you know what? We had a good run. We did have a good run. We got, what, like three and a half seasons of this show in? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I feel like mm -hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic, like at the beginning of Shelter at Home, I was like, I don't want to die. And now I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty tired. I know. I'm pretty exhausted. Like <laughs> if someone if someone wants to kill me, I just, it's okay. I'm just tired. I might um, surrender. <laughs> yeah, especially with there was some news coming out today saying this could be extended another three months through the summer, which isn't shocking, of course, because that it again, like we're saying it is what it is. That's what's happening in our world. But mm -hmm. I did have that thought of like, you know, maybe I'm just done. You know, maybe I should step <laughs> out. I think I'm done with this world. I think I'm done. I think I'm throwing in the towel. I've had I, it. I've had it. I've had enough. Ugh, um, I didn't my. read that news. Is that like a, a it, was that it's a not California? Official. It's California. Yeah, thing? Oh, okay. it's a California thing because a lot of the rest of the country, as a lot of our listeners are from different states, will probably know like things are starting to reopen and restrictions are getting less and less. But for mm -hmm. California, it sounds like we may still be on safer at home through July. There's a reason that California um, and L.A. specifically have such few cases. It's because, especially in L.A., our mayor is handling it so well. Like, our mayor he will is. be like, okay, guys, like, you can go for a hike. Like, just, just stay six feet apart. Wear your mask at all times. Like, don't congregate in groups. And then, like, the next day, yeah. he'll be like, no more hikes. Because you yeah. didn't fucking listen to me. So you don't get to exactly. go on hikes anymore. And it's like, He's good. reprimanding a child. <laughs> it's like, hey, I gave you a little leeway and now I'm slapping you on the wrist. You, you got to go back it. inside. <laughs> You're grounded again. Go to your room. Exactly. I'm loving Gavin Newsom. Have a little bit of a crush on him because he's handling it so well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway. So anyways, uh, other than current events, we have a ton of alien UFO and abduction ideas, stories and theories that we haven't touched on yet. This won't be the last alien episode that you hear from us. Definitely not. 
But before we get into it, we need to give a huge shout out and thank you to a couple of people here. Um, I have a list. Corey Arnold, my bubby, Jamie Cassidy, my sissy, Katie Rains, Jade Conrad, Shannon Manarchia, Chelsea Duke, and Chelsea Turner. Thank you guys so much for contributing and pitching in to help us with our big project Ooh. that we're working on. And they all did it so quickly. So like sent quickly. in emails basically the next day saying, like, we got you. Yeah, Done. we got you. It's Here. so good. There are a ton of other volunteers as well that we're going to obviously be thanking soon, but these guys kicked major butt this week and put a huge dent in our exhausting undertaking. So thank you guys. You're all so amazing. We really, really, really appreciate it. Okay. So um, the main thing that we're discussing today, and it sort of like wasn't by design, is Mm -hmm. abductions. (laughs) I know you texted me like, hey, what have you got going? And I was like, mostly abductions. You're like, oh, hey, uh, me too. Oh, hey, great. (laughs) Great. But it's nice because our past alien episodes have been sort of um, like, if they're here, what do they want? The science behind it. We did crop circles. We did, you know, um, Joe talked a lot about like where they could exist if they do exist and like what form they could take. And uh, I told one abduction story in the first, er, well, it was our second episode ever, actually, Close Encounters of the Joe Kind. I think we each told an abduction story that I think you're time, right. but then there hasn't been one since because yeah. we did the like Gundaya McKay or however yeah. you pronounce that. But yes. So yeah. So today we're going to be discussing some abductions, but we're also going to be talking about like the why of abductions and trying to theorize like why it's happening. So first I wanted to break down the phenomenon of alien abductions from like start to finish. And all of my information came from physicians and psychologists who have worked with abductees or researched abductions. Also, a couple tidbits came from like UFO researchers as well. Makes sense. And I have to state first, like these physicians and psychologists believe that these abductees are telling the truth. Mm, I love that. And, And the thing is, is that doesn't mean that these people were abducted by aliens, but that does mean that they believe that they were abducted by aliens. And that that is something worth digging into. Yeah. Where it's like, well, why do you believe that? And what happened to lead you to this? Yeah. Like, did it happen to you? Or like, what is the phenomenon then? Because something's happening. There's a pretty um, impressive and I I don't know the exact number. I wish I had uh, looked that up, but I don't. I didn't. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know that the percentage of people in the world that actually do believe they were abducted by aliens, you know, it's not something like crazy, like 30, but it is like substantial yeah it's it's a bigger amount than you'd think yes 100 percent. so interesting starting from the beginning abductions always start with what is known as the capture which is basically the abduction itself um in most cases abductees have reported unusual feelings preceding the onset of an abduction experience so like sometimes weeks before they feel weird and Interesting. S- sometimes the feelings manifest themselves as a compulsive desire to be at a certain place at a certain time, which actually makes me think of that Yogst Fall case. Yes, I was just thinking about that. Where How it was he like just the like guy got had up a and whole left. Schedule planned out of like I have to be at this place right now, and like yeah. I'm I know that I'm gonna have to leave at this moment. That's so crazy. And he wrote down nonsense, so that was interesting. Yeah. A lot of them report feeling severe anxiety that they can't pinpoint the cause of. 
Um, at the time of the abduction, the experiencer will undergo a shift into an altered state of consciousness. And this is pretty much the case across the board, um, yeah. although it's explained in, in different ways. If they don't remember it at all, it's just going to be a block of missing time, like a chunk of time where they can't account for their whereabouts or the passage of time at all. If they do remember, though, there are a lot of similarities in the events. So one thing that I thought was interesting is that they say that external sounds cease to have any significance or they it can't be placed. So like oh. they can hear some sounds happening, but they literally can't figure out what the sounds are, or what's going on. Or like if there's talking, it's like muffled talking. Oh, wow. Reports of feeling unusually calm is uh, is common. One or more lights are alleged to appear, sometimes accompanied by a strange mist. I mean, that's, you know, something that you could see in almost all movies. If there's an abduction, right. there's like a light, like a beam of some kind. Sure. Um, Sorry. Hold on. There we go. Are you drinking LaCroix? I'm drinking wine. Oh, got wine burps tonight. I have wine too. Cheers over the Yay, microphone. Cheers. <laughs> um, I think that was my steak tortellini. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Shout out to yeah. Home Chef. Oh, no, maybe we're Shout not allowed out. to say that because they don't sponsor us. But we love Home Chef. <laughs> we do. We both had Home Chef meals tonight, and that burp was all red pepper. Yes, ma'am. So you can look forward to that when you cook that tomorrow. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the claimants say that they will walk or be levitated into an alien craft, usually not by their own free will, but again, strangely super calm. Yeah. Like, even okay. though they're like, I'm not doing this, they're like, but it's fine. That's so interesting that you would feel safe while being <laughs> sucked up into something right? by a beam. But yeah, that's okay. That's it's obviously something is happening to them. Right. There's a, there's a power. Before happening. they even get into the ship. Um, oftentimes they levitate or walk through solid objects like walls or windows. And this was reported in the case that you were talking about, um, the Gandaya McKay case out of Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it, the woman saw her friend levitating through their living room window in a bright yes. light. The weirdest. Like the weirdest. I can't even imagine how she was feeling. And then she ended up like 90 miles away with no memory right. of what happened in like a time period that was like she couldn't even get there. And it that was of time. one of the most bizarre stories I've ever heard. That's crazy town. Most abductees report being taken from their bedroom prior to or during their sleep. A lot of times they will report paralysis beforehand. And this has caused many skeptics to insist that all they experienced was sleep paralysis. Yep, I've heard that one. A million I've heard times. that a lot. Yeah, I've heard that for a lot of things where people are like, I, I experienced a demon. And then because I read Reddit a lot. So someone will tell this story that's like really compelling. And then like eight people will be like, it's just sleep paralysis. What happens is, is you're dreaming and your body wakes up, but you're still in the dream or like whatever. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> <I> like <laughs> so many mansplainers and woman-splainers probably because it's Reddit. But yeah, everybody gets attacked and it's like, hey, they're just trying to tell yeah. you what they experienced. Don't jump down their or throat. maybe they got abducted by aliens like you don't fucking know or maybe a demon actually sat on their chest like, out on of their, their face, face. <laughs> we don't even understand sleep paralysis okay anyways mm -mm. in many cases the people are traveling um uh this is like if you don't get abducted by your from your like bed or your couch a lot of times the people are traveling by automobile usually at night usually in rural areas and those cases are always kind of the same, too. It's like a UFO will be seen ahead. The driver will yeah. either deliberately stop to investigate or the car will stop due to an apparent mechanical failure. Mm. 
A lot of people report radio static or the lights dimming and brightening, which makes me want to vomit because that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, uh, that is exactly what happened to you. And you were in a rural area and mm-hmm. everything is spooky, I just, Ashley. I did not see the UFO. And if you haven't heard episode two, Close Encounters of the Joe Kind, I do have a possible abduction experience. And I'm going to get to that like later in the episode. But um, yeah, I did not see a UFO during mine. Yeah. I, pretty much everything that they said, does. yeah, everything that they describe happened, except I didn't, I didn't see a UFO. Right. So, but we'll get to that. So next is after they've been captured, again, most people just report missing time. They don't remember shit. Yeah. But if they do remember, it's almost always an examination. Mm-hmm. So we've discussed examinations before on the show. In Close Encounters of the Joe Kind, we discussed the case of Barney and Betty Hill, and Joe and I also brought it up last week. And one of the things that Betty and Barney claimed to have happened to them during their abduction was a physical examination. And it should be noted that these two actually didn't remember this part or pretty much any part of their abduction until after they underwent hypnosis. But the reason that they sought out therapy was because after the strange events that occurred that night, they both started having horrible anxiety. They both had really disturbing dreams. Barney developed an ulcer. They felt sick and they felt like something had happened to them when they blacked out. Barney specifically felt compelled to examine his body's lower half multiple times a day, specifically his genitals. So bonkers. Yeah. He's like, I know something went on down here. So this is not like an uncommon theme in abduction stories. Many female abductees report a gynecological aspect to the abduction experience, and males have reported that sperm is taken during the experience. Oh, boy. On several cases, women have reported the insertion of a long needle-like contraption into their navel. Mm. No, thank you. That sounds awful and uncomfortable. I don't don't want it. it. I don't like it one bit. This was actually one thing that happened to Betty Hill, and she said that it was a pregnancy test, but this feature has been reported by little girls, too, like very young girls who, what? like, haven't haven't been able to, haven't even started their periods yet. Man. So, I don't know, but um, sexual and reproductive organ exams are some of the most common reports when people remember an examination type scenario, but there are many others. Yeah. Another popular one is cranial procedures. Um, which cranial's your head, your cranium. <laughs> That's your noggin. That's your noggin. Usually the feelings of pressure in or on the head and the insertion of needles into the scalp, which sucks. I don't even like saying that. I know. <laughs> that just made me actually grab my head and I had to squeeze my head in order to get through that sentence. I don't know why, but my fingers are squeezing my skull. I grabbed my sleeves at the shoulder. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I feel it was you. just what my body did. <laughs> you, yeah, you have to grab something. Our bodies are freaking out. I have right to hold now. on. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Usually, the abductee's head is restrained by a strap or bar across the forehead, and a lot of people have reported that the abductors will touch their forehead, which seems to ease their anxiety and even sometimes the physical pain or discomfort that they're feeling. Hmm. Which is interesting. If they touch the forehead? Yeah, like the entity will like see that they're struggling. They'll bend down and touch them on the head and they'll just like, it feels like you get like a shot of morphine, basically. Like they just feel like relaxed again. Oh, well, thanks, aliens. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for that. Reports of entities drilling into the skull. 
Okay. Is popular. A lot of cranial procedures involve the ears, like pressure or intense heat being experienced in one or both the ears are some of the most no. common memories. Stop. Which is, this I actually think is really interesting because I feel like that's not something I've seen in a film before. No, never. Like a lot of people attribute like, oh, little green or gray men, like that image came out of TV and movies and that's why people think that they see aliens, but like it was made up, blah, 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 blah. Um, even the exam room situation, you know, can can be taken out of films. But the specificity of the burning in the ears being reported yeah. by a ton of abductees is interesting. That is really interesting. I didn't know about that part. Um, another interesting thing, the insertion of long needle-like objects into the nasal passages is also very common. And most abductees who have reported this have also suffered nosebleeds after the alleged abduction, but they didn't before. Oh, it's like they never had a nosebleed before and this was their first one? Well, or... I'm sure like all of us, especially they, when we're kids, yeah, you have had nosebleeds. one in their life, but it wasn't a common. But it was like multiple nosebleeds a month. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, that's very bizarre. Other popular procedures include skin scrapings. This also happened during the Hill Encounter. And, uh, you know, some people say, oh, the skin scrapings are they're trying to get like DNA, but that doesn't make any sense physicians have noted that the main reason that like a human doctor would collect skin scrapings would be to check for bacterial or fungal infections yeah and that like a skin scraping for dna it doesn't make sense i mean you can but like it's not gonna be like a very rich sample yeah for dna really give you what you want especially if you're already tied down like they could take your hair or your blood yeah, and that so would give some you other more. options. <laughs> so people yeah, argue about else. that, but I kind of I'm on the side of like the fungal infections. If that's you know, yeah, if aliens Agreed. are real, let's just go the rest <laughs> of this episode assuming aliens are real because I don't want to have to keep saying like if aliens are real, blah blah blah. blah oh blah. my gosh, can we please? Yeah. Because that's going to help me along with everything I have to say tonight. <laughs> so let's do that. Let's do that because the thing is, is like I don't know. I have, yeah, no I have no idea. I don't know if anyone's ever been abducted ever, not right. once. But for the sake no of this clue. episode, we're all believers. So get on board. Yes, we're believing. Another physician and abduction researcher, Dr. John G. Miller, explains one interesting thing about the examination phase of abductions is that the procedures performed by the alleged entities are not earthly medicine. Basically, we're not hearing about our kinds of doctors and our kinds of medicine. And he actually thinks that adds credibility to the claims, especially since the claims are, are similar to each other. Because if it was hoaxes, the report should more closely resemble earthly medicine that the abductees would uh -huh. be familiar with. Yeah. So, like, the, abductee the abductors don't wear gloves during the exams like our doctors do. And, like, they don't give them pills or tablets um, yeah. all abductees always say like, I don't, I actually couldn't find a single report of anyone saying they had to take a pill, but a lot of them say they had to drink liquids. Okay. Mm Injections and IVs are almost always absent. Interesting. He's never heard of an abductee claimed to have a tongue depressor or a speculum used on them. Um, speculums are devices to hold orifices open and women are very familiar with them because they are the duck bill shape cranks that are used during our pap smears. <laughs> They're really comfortable, and I look forward right. to them at every visit. They're really great. It's almost <laughs> as good as when they scrape the inside of your cervix. Oh, my God. 
with a knife. My whole body just like went up into a ball. Like my vagina's missing now. It's in my stomach. One of my favorite things to do is to explain what a pap smear is to a man that doesn't exactly know. Well, did I ever tell you? I don't even care that our listeners know this because I've been more than personal on this podcast. But when I went to my very first ultrasound when I was pregnant, they also had to do a pap smear because it was a new gynecologist to me. So they have to do that to every new patient to see like where you're at. So he had to be in the room for the pap smear and just the look on his face of like, what? Like what's going in there? What? Oh, she's using a Q-tip. Oh, what's (laughs) like just like every look on his face of like women have to go through this I was like welcome welcome to the circus i feel like every guy fun. who dates women should have to go into a pap smear at least once in their life like you don't have to stick your I head down there agree. but you at least have to no. watch us wince <laughs> yeah like he had a safe distance he wasn't like staring into my vagina you know but he was off to the side and he saw the tools that were going in <laughs> and i was like yeah i actually was very happy that he got to see what was going on because it's very hard to describe so every man should have to sit in on that at some point at least read a very detailed description there you go yes maybe there'll be some pictures off to the side a little diagram you'll figure <laughs> it out <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. So examination, that's really, really common. Most people that remember their abduction claim that there was an examination. There are four elements that are reported, but that are much less common. um, And they are known as the conference, the tour, the journey, and theophany. Okay. Loving these titles. These kind of have to do like that you have to communicate with the beings to have one of these happen. Um, And most abductees don't report communicating with the beings at all. Yeah. Like I said, some people will like say that they reassured them that they're safe or sometimes they'll be touched by the beings and it calms them. Like the case I mentioned before, um, almost as if the beings communicate telepathically or even emotionally. But there are cases where communication takes place and that's Mm -hmm. what these are. So, okay. First, there's the conference and... So most descriptions of the entities who have performed examinations have been that they're like cold and callous and like strictly business, like no time for fraternizing. We have a job to do. We're not here. You know, we're not here to make friends. It's like a reality TV show. (laughs) For sure. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to examine your body. (laughs) I'd watch that show. I would totally watch that show. Um, speaking of, are you excited for Space Force? Did you watch the trailer? You Holy know I am so shit, excited. That looks and so Ben funny. Schwartz is already my favorite human on the planet. <laughs> so I'm so excited that he is involved. It's gonna be great. I feel I'm like so I pumped. laughed through the entire trailer. Anyway, so I did too. I'm, I'm I was excited. grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. That's this month, right? Yeah, I think they said yes. like two weeks. Oh, yes. Maybe less. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. So um, abductees who have experienced conference will tell you that these entities' attitudes and behavior usually change drastically once the exam is done. They become more relaxed and hospitable. They, like, crack a beer, light a cigarette, put their feet up, like, time to hang out. And yes. the entities will occasionally hold conference with the captive where they'll they'll discuss kind of, like, what just happened to them. Oh, Okay. In Dr. Thomas E. Bullard's study, 79 out of 300 abduction claims included a conference. And he basically took the conference theory and narrowed the conference down to five different categories. There's like an interrogation session. 
um, or an explanatory segment. Um, sometimes there's a task assignment, and then there's also warnings and prophecies occasionally. So interrogation sessions are usually when they'll allow the abductee to ask questions about their abduction, and the beings will ask the human questions as well. And usually... Usually the questions that they ask is like about aspects of human life that confuse them. Okay. And Dr. Bullard noted that time, lifespans, emotions, and the individuality of humans seem to be recurring topics. Oh, wow. For these entities. They're truly studying us as we've always thought. We knew it. Just want to know what the hell we're doing. (laughs) Uh, yeah, they to? don't understand. Like, maybe their lifespans are a lot longer. Like, maybe, you know, time is obviously very different for them. Like, that's that's a fact. Like, if aliens are coming here and abducting people, time does not work the same as they do. Because in order to travel through space at the speed that they do and at the lengths that they do, like, time can't be right. real. They They basically have the ability to time travel. Yeah. Definitely. So aliens will ask about life on Earth and uh, reproductive practices. That's something they, they're usually confused about sex. And in some cases, they will make inquiries about advanced sciences like theoretical physics. Apparently, they oh, assume man. all of us are familiar with it, which is hilarious because <laughs> we aren't. We are not. No, nope, that's very <laughs> rare, sir or ma'am. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. The explanatory segment is where the abductors will explain their motives to the captive. They'll tell them, like, why they were chosen as opposed to someone else, maybe. Okay. Like, why they chose you. And sometimes the Mm -hmm. entities will apologize if the abduction or examination was rough or, like, especially traumatizing. Well, that's very kind. I know. I thought so, too. One thing that's interesting is that almost everyone who reported that they spoke to the aliens about where they were from, like, in the universe. Yeah. Said that the aliens... appeared to be reluctant to disclose that information to them. And sometimes it seemed like they were even lying about it, which is interesting because I know that I've read somewhere that skeptics doubt abductees' claims about where the aliens come from because there are rarely abductees who have the same answers. So that could explain why. Like, if this is all real, again, I shouldn't have to say that because we already said we weren't, but, like, if this is real, maybe they the reason that, like, a lot of abductees don't get the same answers isn't because these aliens are coming from a billion different places, but because they were told, like, you're not allowed to tell them where we came from. So make right. some shit up. Yeah. They're like, please tell a lie because you cannot give away our cover yeah. right now. Just be like, oh, man, just put some vowels and consonants together. Just be like, Flurbengast. <laughs> That's where I'm from. That is our planet. Flurbengast. Zipzorp. Yep. And that's why all these weird words have come forward for aliens, because of that reason. The task assignment phase usually involves a request or a command from the beings. Usually it's some sort of information gathering or sleuthing. And usually when this happens, it's understood that they're going to be abducting that person again in the future. They're like, hey, figure this out for us. We're going to come back for you. Like, do what we say. And then have some answers. Then there's like warnings and prophecies, and warnings are sometimes given um, to the in- uh, by the entities about future calamity, like warfare, weapons of mass destruction, pollution, environmental concerns. Those are very popular, and sometimes the warnings go as far as being prophecies of future disaster. And the entities almost oh. always claim that they are going to attempt to help humanity recover from the aftermath. Oh my gosh, are they going to help us with COVID-19? Man, I don't know. I feel like more lives have to be at risk. Uh, you're probably right. I figure <sighs> give it 
three more months. Yeah, true. We'll, we'll see, see what's happening by July or August. We're looking at you, aliens. Yeah. Help us out. Help us out. Do something. Actually, Joe and I talked about that last week. If you actually Google it, if you research it, UFO sightings during isolation have been kind of wild. Not only have there been like a lot, which seems weird because like you're not, a lot of people aren't out. Right. But also several cities have reported the same lights. Yeah. Seeing the same thing. Like the same figuration, the same color. Right. I did think that was interesting, but it almost made me think like they're checking in on us a little more. I was trying to like spin it into a sweet moment of, hey, they're making sure we're all right, guys. Yeah, they're wondering if they should step in. Yeah, that's very sweet. So the tour, that's another common thing. The tour refers to a tour of the craft itself, and they are extremely rare. And it's usually done as a courtesy, sort of like a, hey, my bad about all that shit that we did to you do you want to see my ship like that kind of thing sorry about it let sorry. me show you some cool stuff like, we had to but if you want to see like the ship like come with me i'm gonna um, show you this really cool machine it'll lift your spirits and uh across the board people that have um uh, have said that they got a tour the engine room is the most memorable aspect for almost everyone Ooh. Hell yeah. Because it's something they've never seen before, not even in sci-fi movies. Like a lot of the things that they describe, like if they're taken to the cockpit, for example, like you could rip that right out of, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey. But the engine room is that what they describe for the engine room, like is something that we, that's not even something we've shown before in like film and television. Wow. So Like our brains can't even imagine it. Yeah. Can't even... I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, sort of like all that Bob Lazar stuff where he was supposed to like de-evolve the ship's pieces, like take it and then like go backwards to see how we can build it. And he was like, we couldn't even, we found out what one thing was. Like you you can't think of it as like looking at car parts because it's a car that has never existed. Yeah, so we don't even have a way to make it. We don't happen, even know what appear. each piece does. <laughs> yeah, we so. don't know what these function as. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Um, so then there's the journey. So the journey is straight out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Basically, some abductee reports include being in orbit around Earth, and some report being taken to another planet. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, the reports are all fairly similar too, which is cool. Um, the abductors usually put the abductee in some sort of protective environment, usually described as a chamber filled with liquid. Mm. But sometimes the travel isn't done by ship at all. It's like an out-of-body experience. Like, they don't actually leave, but they do go somewhere, and then they're back in their body on the ship again. That's pretty crazy. Descriptions of the other worlds have been all over the place. Some have been taken to desert wastelands. Some have been taken to futuristic cities. Some have been taken to jungles. But... Mostly, um, it's sort of the same, like abductees have reported visiting zoos or checking out wildlife um, or going Mm. to museums or going to almost like lecture halls while they're on these worlds. And this is crazy. A lot of them report encountering other human beings who now reside on these worlds. Okay, that is bonkers town. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine seeing another human just sitting there? Right. And you're like, how long have you been here? How long have you been here? It's like, I was born here. Because you think of the the people who have like r- seriously disappeared without a trace. Yep. 
and no one ever saw them again. Their body was never found. There's no explanation. Like, what if they were just taken? They're like, hey, by the way, you live here now. Yep. You just live here. We took you and we're not dropping you back off. You're a part of this land now. That's insanity. And then there's theophany, um, which is essentially a state of being. Like, these abductees will... They'll not, they won't be terrified of what they experience. Instead, they come out of it with a sense of oneness with the universe or God. Um, hmm. Some of them say that it enlarged their worldview, gave them newfound wisdom, caused them to care about the spiritual path of mankind. A couple people, this is cool, have even become reformed racists and bigots. Oh, love that. Yeah. And it's not known whether this is a psychological phenomenon that occurs within the abductee because of their own beliefs or if it's something that's imparted onto them by the aliens. Right. If they're giving them the wisdom and saying, hey, you're a bit of an asshole. (laughs) We need you to change. Or if it's just something like, you know, a near death experience will sometimes make people a better person. Totally. It just jolts you into a different way of life. Yeah. And then finally, there's the return. And as for the return, abductees will again usually report missing time. Or they will find themselves standing in front of or driving their car. Like, all of a sudden, they're back to driving their car. One thing that's really funny is that sometimes the abductors end up boofing the returns. Like, they fuck it up. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) according to my man Bud Hopkins, who I'm also going to talk about in a bit, 4-5% to of abduction reports include a return error. Oh. Common mistake being that the abductors failed to return the experiencer to the same spot they were taken from initially. So like Ooh. Big mistake. Yeah, mild cases are like they, they show up in a different room in the same house. Yeah. That's like, okay, well you could have slept walked. Right. Some no people though have been returned outside the home and all the doors of the house are locked from the inside. Oh jeez. So they, they're like, How well then how did I get out? Right. Researcher David Jacobs recounts one woman's story. She claims that she was driving, and the next thing she knew, about five hours had passed. All of a sudden, she was standing in the middle of a cornfield, and her car was about 10 feet away from her. But there was no evidence that she had driven to the middle of the cornfield because all the corn was intact and upright. Whoa. So it's like they plopped her car and her right down in the smack dab in the middle and, and like, there were no trails that could have no. brought them there, so it made no sense. So she said oh, that that's good. she like was looking around like, what the fuck is happening? And then all of a sudden she lost consciousness and then found herself driving on the road again. Oh, boy. And as, it was as if they'd accidentally re- returned her to the wrong place, realized what they'd done, and went like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. Let me grab her really hold quick. On, hold on. Unconscious. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Get her in the car. Okay, go. <laughs> it was like that dude's first night. Um, that is on hilarious. Rookie rookie some abductees report being clothed when they went to sleep and nude when they wake up which again that's not too crazy right could have taken them clothes off could have taken them off sometimes their clothes are folded by their bedside sometimes their clothes are completely missing never to be found okay or in a few cases someone else's clothes will be there in the place of their own so there was an accidental clothing swap like somebody else that they abducted they <laughs> yeah. switched the clothes around but some of my favorites um uh, some report waking up and their clothes being on wrong like one guy had a long sleeve shirt forced up over his legs like a pair of pants oh my god so it's like they were like we have to dress him and they're like i don't fucking know how i don't know which article but I'm gonna goes guess. where <laughs> we're gonna try <laughs> so yeah so that's 
the basics like commonalities between abduction stories from people who you know claim that they were abducted and um those are sort of like the things that psychologists sort of point to is like it's crazy that these are all the same right yeah it's crazy that like they all have the same order and design it's really crazy like we should be more concerned with it and wondering what this phenomenon is if it is not abduction then what is happening to these people and why are they all experiencing this it's interesting so I wanted to oh, talk boy. about my abduction, but I actually would love for you to tell one of your stories so I so you can, can take a little breather. <laughs> yeah, give your little vocal cords a break. I need That's some fine. wine. I'm going to drink some wine. I'm very excited to hear your abduction story, but happy to take the reins for a second. Um, yeah, I'm going to hop into one of my abductions. It happened on November 5th, 1975. Actually, both of mine tonight are from the 70s, only Whoa. two years apart, which I thought was interesting. I, I did not mean to do that. I have one from 1980. We're so close. You, know. uh, you guys. November 5th, 1975, a man named Travis Walton, he was 22 years old, and he was working as a logging contractor in central Arizona, as you do. I know nothing about that life. No. But uh, he was working in Arizona in the Apache Sick Greaves National Forest, and he was driving home one evening with a bunch of his coworkers. There were five of his coworkers in this big truck. So they were all driving home from the job, and all of them witnessed as on their drive in a rural area. There we go. Discussing. They were driving and they all saw a hovering disc-shaped object that drew closer as, um, as they continued along the road. It was out in front of them. And even when they started to slow down, it was getting closer and closer. So it was clearly coming towards them. Yikes. Um, they finally stopped the truck and Travis Walton, this 22-year-old guy, jumped out to actually check it out. Even though all of his coworkers were like, dude, what are you doing? This is a clear sign. We need to turn around. Get the F out of here. I don't know why you're getting out, but... He got out and wanted to look at it. He jumped out of the truck, started walking towards it, and when he got within a really close proximity, he was suddenly uh, struck with a jolt of energy that hurled him 20 feet into the air and knocked him unconscious, scared the crap out of his coworkers. So they actually, this is pretty rude actually, but they hopped into the truck and drove away because they were so... (laughs) I know, they just left him, but they... Apparently what he looked like when he was jolted into the air was just so inhuman and like nothing they had ever seen. So they were just able to kind of be like, no, 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 no. Got in the truck and drove away. Lauren, I will. I would never do that to you. I would never leave you either. I would have to come to your aid. You have to take me too, I guess. (laughs) I know, we're both going. I could not believe they left him, but... Whatever happened to Travis really freaked them out, so they left. He was knocked unconscious from this huge jolt, and when he woke up, he was laying on a gurney, which he thought was a hospital at first, but then he started to kind of look around, check his surroundings. Um, He felt a really heavy chest, his vision was blurry, and he couldn't hear really well. Everything sounded pretty muffled at first, so he couldn't get a good grasp until after a couple of minutes, and then he finally focused his line of sight, and he found a trio... A very small creatures wearing orange surgical gowns. 
They were staring at him with bright brown eyes, which I've never heard the brown eyes description. I thought that was interesting. But he said they were very bright brown eyes about the size of quarters looking back at him. They were attempting to operate on him, but because they were so small, he was able to kick and punch and kind of fight them off. They started to go back at him a couple of times when he would swing or kick. They would immediately back away, sort of talk amongst themselves, and then they finally began to untie him and set him free, as Travis believes is because he was too strong for them and they realized they were about to be overpowered. So they decided to let him go, and as he was being unstrapped, he went unconscious again. And then the next thing he remembers, he woke up, he was on the side of the freeway walking alongside where the truck had been driving, but now he's on foot since his friends bailed. So he finds himself on the freeway. He looks up at the sky and can just see distant remnants of that disc object going back up into the sky and then it it disappears. So Walton thinks he's been gone for like maybe an hour at this point. He's very disoriented, doesn't know what's going on, but he makes his way into town. He turns up in this small town called Snowflake, Arizona. He's completely traumatized. He's able to luckily find a sheriff's office and he walks in battered and bruised no idea of his timeline but he's just like hey i don't know what's been going on finds out that he has been missing for six days oh my god six days nobody has known where this guy is and his fellow logging co-workers were under suspicion at this point for foul play because he went missing and they were the last people to see him and they're all coming back into town like dude this thing came it grabbed him it shot him in the <laughs> and air the cops and so are like yeah like- <laughs> yeah save it for the papers <laughs> exactly like hey dummies we don't believe you so When he goes to report everything that happened, they're like, sir, you've been gone for six days and we have already been questioning all of your coworkers thinking that they were up to something. And he's like, no, let me tell you what happened. So Travis and all of his coworkers were under super intense questioning and it turns out that their stories completely lined up. The other loggers had corroborated the story of the disc appearing in the sky, Travis being struck by some sort of beam and then flying into the air. So once all of them were the same, they realized, okay, we we have something pretty interesting on our hands here. So they called in a bunch of different psychologists and a couple of UFO experts to come into town, and they took a bunch of really grueling physical and psychological tests, and they were submitted to about 16 polygraph tests, wow. which is crazy. But the cool thing, what I like about the story, is all of the men, Travis Walton and all of his coworkers, passed the polygraph except for one of the coworkers, and his didn't fail. It was just ruled inconclusive on right. the very first one that he took. But then the rest of them all passed, and uh, it was cool to know that no one was ever lying. Nobody was ever called, you know, a failure at the polygraph. There was nothing that was ever called out as being false. They all came through as true. And even an Arizona polygraph expert named Cy Gilson, who was interviewing them for the most part at the time, was saying, like, results like these are crazy. It shows that we we still don't know exactly what happened here, but all the men are telling the truth about what they experienced, which, Ashley, is sort of what you touched on. Like, nobody's listening to them and saying, 100% you got abducted. Aliens came for you, but they're saying you all had the same experience, and we can see that because of these polygraph yeah. tests. Like and we you, can see that you believe what you're saying is true. 100%. Like, you all believe this together, and you guys didn't make this up. So they kind of took it for what it was. No one was in trouble, obviously. They're all telling the story, and they kind of had to take it for what it was. All of the authorities, like, nobody was hurt, nobody was murdered and so they kind of just went on their merry way but 
Travis Walton went on to tell this story for years and years. He went on a television show that used to be on Fox called Moment of Truth, which I actually kind of remember. Um, It set out to make people look like liars. It basically took like urban myth people or anyone that had been associated with a kind of crazy sounding story and basically brought them on TV to embarrass them. What? And Travis only went on this show because it had been probably about 15 years since the incident, and he was kind of desperate for money, which makes me sad. So he agreed to go on it, even though he knew it would probably be the stupid thing. A disaster. Yeah. He went on the air, took a polygraph test. He failed, and they all called him a liar in front of millions of people watching the show. He was mortified. But since the show has aired, basically every contestant that went on there, it has been said that the polygraphs are completely illegitimate. They do not have any concrete evidence to back them. Like nothing. These are terrible polygraph tests. So it has come out that the show is complete garbage and they just bring people on to try and call these claims false and that which is nothing like, is actually backing them up. Yeah, which is like a weird business model because no one... It's so weird. That's the thing with like paranormal and supernatural shows. It's like people want to believe this stuff. Like they want to see exactly. you looking for the truths in these situations, not like blatantly looking for the lies. I agree. Like uh, obviously some people want that, but th- those people... I feel like it's few and far between people that would tune in every week to see people disprove something fantastic yeah because we want to believe that there's something else out there that there's something a little bit magical that we don't fully understand so i yeah i'm totally and I'm sure there's you. a lot of people that don't want to believe that and don't care but they're not tuning in to watch a show about it i know exactly I know. so this show didn't last long to no one's surprise <laughs> because i think a lot of people agree with you but Basically, it was called out that this show was completely faked. So Walton still had held some legitimacy to his story. A lot of people actually believed him, which I found really nice. cool. Um, and he even came forward to the public saying, you know, it wasn't my style to normally go on a show like this. But he was really vulnerable. He would say in interviews like, hey, I, I was looking for a little bit of money. I was looking to kind of get back into the spotlight for a second. But this wasn't the way to go around it. But... The Another cool thing about Travis is in 43 years since this has happened, there have been no discrepancies. His story has never changed. His co-worker's story has never changed. They've always told it the exact same way. And they have all turned down huge bribes to lie about it. Like they've been offered thousands of dollars to deny the story and make Travis look bad. And they have stuck to the truth no matter what, no matter how many skeptics have tried to call them out. So a lot of people buy into Travis's story versus other abduction stories because the truth has stayed the same no matter what. And he's always been completely him, completely vulnerable and honest in all the interviews, which people like. So this has been one of the more believable ones in history, um, despite people trying to call him out. And there's one guy I wanted to bring up calling him out because he actually appeared in both of my uh articles and both of the stories that I looked up today. It's this guy named Philip J. Class, K-L-A-S-S. Yep. Have you heard of him? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He, yeah, he's like the biggest enemy of the UFO world, even though he calls himself a UFO researcher. But he says, I'm just a healthy skeptic. But he's not. He's an angry, obnoxious skeptic. Um, He really likes to call people out. He loves to make a fool out of everybody and just be as loud as possible. Be the loudest guy in the world. So basically, just to give you a little more background on this guy and like who he is, um, his last will and testament, he left a curse on the world of UFOs saying, 
<laughs> I just thought this was crazy. This was in his last will because he has since passed away. If that wasn't obvious, but he said to all UFOlogists who publicly criticize me or who think unkind thoughts about me in private or in public, I do hereby leave and bequeath the UFO curse. No matter how long you live, you will never know any more about UFOs than you know today. You will never know any more about what UFOs really are or where they come from. You will never know any more about the about what the U.S. government really knows about UFOs than you know today. And as you lie on your own deathbed, you will be as mystified about UFOs as you are today, and you will remember this curse. Okay, that's what he wants. I have to leave two to things world. to say about that. One, this guy is like the definition of an incel, but instead of women, it's like people that believe in UFOs. Yes, that is accurate. Two, if I believed in curses, I would apologize for the groan that came out of my mouth when you said his name. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it, this guy. I know. Now we're for sure cursed. He was actually, it's I didn't fine. bring him up earlier because I had enough to say, but like when I was saying that, you know, um, skeptics point to the fact that a lot of people who claim to have been abducted say, like, don't give planets that are the same. Like, the planets never are the same. He was the one. He was like, wouldn't we have heard of someone saying that they'd been exactly. to the same planet? And it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. He, yeah, he tries to nitpick at every little detail. That is his whole thing. But that's, that's what's annoying is I think it's very healthy to be a skeptic and to ask questions, but he always has to be like a huge a-hole about it. Like he even went on Larry King live with um, Travis at one point and basically just like shouted at him the whole episode. Like Travis had a cool, you know, disposition. He was staying calm the entire time. And Philip was just like, you're a liar. There was a polygraph that was inconclusive. Like just pointing out every little thing, bringing up his moment of truth show, even though Travis was like, hey, their polygraphs were actually disproved. They're not very legitimate. And Philip just went on and on. So he's a huge butt face. We don't really like him. But even besides Philip trying to call him out and trying to make this story false at every turn. Like I said before, it is one of the most believed abduction stories, even though I had never heard of it, so I was excited to dig it up. But you know I always come with a movie recommendation. Oh, good. Oh, oh, so, oh, I know this one. Do you? What's it called? Fire in the Sky. Yes, ma'am. Hell yeah. If you all want to see the Hollywood version of the Travis Walton story, you can watch the 1993 feature film A Fire in the Sky. It's a cult classic among sci-fi fans, and the story actually mostly sticks to the truth. There's a few stretches here and there, as they like to do in the cinema, but it's mostly a pretty true story, said even Travis himself. So that's pretty cool. I would say uh, I've seen Fire in the Sky um, and maybe that's why a few things sounded familiar in this, or maybe it was an on an unsolved mysteries. Like I don't know, but probably was Fire in the Sky. I saw, but I was fairly young. It was in the nineties okay. for sure when I saw this movie, and uh, I don't remember too much about it. But I have been so scared to rewatch it because the actual like abduction and like examination room scene is one of the scariest things I've ever seen and like if you google it like fire in the sky like you'll see a bunch of people being like that is the most terrifying scene that's yeah, ever been I in a movie I saw a lot of that movie reviews a lot of them were like this is frightening I can't watch it more than once in a year like a lot of people were freaked out by it I think when quarantine is over and we can be reunited again we know what our next movie night uh... is fire in the sky <laughs> have you um have you looked at our newsletter yet no i haven't okay 
Well, because I I want you to add to something that I've already done, like a quick little thing, because I did a little review and recommendation for Neroy the Curse. Oh my gosh, I will gladly speak on that. And we might as well say it here. Guys, you have to watch it. watch it. (laughs) It is a bonkers movie. I had a lot of feelings after I watched it. I really struggled to sleep after I watched it. I couldn't text Ashley about it until the next morning because I was still like kind of paralyzed and lost in thought. It's wild. Well, I loved it, though. It was made in 2005, and um, and, and no one in the United States could get a hold of it. Like, it, it's been something that people have, like, it's been sought after for a long time. And so yeah. it's on Shudder right now. It's like a Shudder exclusive. It's a Japanese horror movie, uh, found footage genre horror movie. Actually, I'm telling Lauren, like, now my second favorite found footage that I've ever seen. It's like Blair Witch it's really and well Neroy. Done. Um, it's so well done. I was very impressed. But I don't know how long it's going to be on Shudder. And when it's gone from Shudder, like, you may never ever in your life have a chance to watch it again. So go to Shudder. So check it out. Get a month's free and watch No Roy, uh, The Curse. Okay, so, um... One thing that I had to share this episode involves my abduction back in 2007. Wonderful. Now, for those of you who don't remember who haven't listened to episode two, Close Encounters of the Joe Kind, I don't know that I was abducted. And honestly, most of the time, I don't even think that I was. I just had a really weird experience one night that I'm going to give a very short recap for. And um, I've learned several things since that have led me to believe that maybe I could have been abducted. And I'm going to talk about those too. So essentially what happened, the short version, is that one night I was driving home and my car started behaving strangely. The radio static is what I noticed first, but the lights also on my dashboard and my headlights were dimming and getting bright and dimming again. So I slowed to a stop because one, I couldn't, I couldn't see to drive. And two, I didn't know what was going to happen to my car. Like I didn't want to be going 50 miles an hour and then like my car dies. So I, I, I start to pull over and my car just like dies. It's just dead. Poops out. Poops out. So I grab my phone to call my dad to ask him to come get me. And my phone is dead. And this is 2007. Like phones didn't die. Like you charge them and a week later they were at 30%. Like they your phone didn't live die. forever. That is so true. It never died. Those I, I never had a problem. Never had a problem eternity. with my phone battery until I got an iPhone. So yep. I'm in the middle. And like, here's the thing, guys. I'm not saying that iPhones suck. Like you do a lot more on iPhones than I did on my sliver. Sure, sure. <laughs> like oh, I, I texted totally had and sliver. I called. Yes, ma'am. I had a razor and a sliver. They were both great. I broke my razor literally in half, so I had to get a sliver because it was sturdier. So, oh yes, my phone died. So I'm in the middle of freaking nowhere. I'm a little over a um, uh, like mile away from my home, but it's the darkest night in the world. And uh, my grandma's house is about a football field away. So my game plan is, like, if I can't get my car started in the next, like, five minutes, I'm going to trek through the darkness to her house and hope I don't get murdered. But five minutes didn't even pass. Like, I didn't even, like, decide, like, okay, I got to, like, walk up there before my car roars to life. Like, radio is on full blast. High beams are on. But the crazy thing is, is that it's 30 minutes later. And there's absolutely... Absolutely no way I sat there for half an hour. I sat there for maybe from like the time my car died to the time that I, it came back to life. Maybe, maybe, maybe six minutes max. That's so wild. Um, and, and 
my phone turns back on just fine too that's something that's kind of important i think like it was not dead it turns back on yeah bizarre i cannot that's the undetailed version of the story there's a lot more yeah little details that are fun yeah but the thing is is that i really didn't i mean i thought it was weird and i was um flustered and i was upset mostly because i was basically grounded because that's one of the details like i i knew that it had been 30 minutes because I knew that it had to be about 1245 when my car died because I yeah. knew I was going to get home 10 minutes early and I had to be home at midnight. And when yeah. my car roared back to life, it's 1215. So like, what the hell happened? Yeah. I was on time. So I had like two voicemails from my dad, it's, even though it's only 15 minutes before I'm supposed to be home, being like, where the oh, fuck are you? that's typical dad behavior. I know. Mine would have done the same. Like, it's 12.01 and my dad's like, where the <laughs> Where are you? Are if my you? car, if my, the garage door is not opening for me to be home at like 11.59, yeah. I'm getting a call. Yeah. <laughs> so I got in trouble. Like, he didn't believe the alien thing. Aww. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell him I was abducted because I didn't know. Like I didn't. It yeah, didn't. You had no idea. This didn't even cross my mind that that could be a possibility. Um, because at the time I didn't even know what missing time was in terms of abduction theories. I didn't ever hear of that until I decided to watch the X Files series from start to finish. This was like years, two years later, maybe. Um, I had always I'd seen X Files obviously a lot, but I I decided like I'm gonna watch it from uh, the beginning. And I think yes. it's like the first episode they deal with abductions and missing time. So that was kind of a shock to me. Everything kind of matched up to what I experienced. And the more I researched missing time and abductions, the more creeped out that I got. Uh, yeah. And just recently, Joe and I were watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, of course. <laughs> of course. About missing time. And we both got pretty spooked. UFO researcher Bud Hopkins, along with psychologist Susan Fox. I think it's Fox. I just wrote Susan, but I'm pretty sure her last name is Fox. I don't know why I didn't add her <laughs> last name. Uh, Susan Fox are featured in the episode along with two major abduction case files. One on Robert Matthews, which is a fucking crazy wild story you should watch the episode and unfortunately i can't find the episode number only that it aired on november 30th 1988 so thanks imdb like what's the title of the episode i don't so know I look oh oh, God, oh the title because ti um, the episodes like, aren't titled but the right. the segment is titled missing time missing and time. it's in i believe season one i believe it's uh the okay. first season right at the beginning yeah right i need to find this so uh, Robert Matthews is the first guy's name and, and the story is just crazy. But the one I'm going to talk about, the other case file was Christina Florence. And Christina is a dance choreographer in New York and she has had several experiences of missing time. And she's cool because she even says, like, I don't want this happening to me. I didn't want this to happen to me. I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I don't <laughs> I'm not want bragging. this. Yeah. But it oh, started gosh. for her in 1974 when her and her sister were with their mother in San Francisco and their car overheated and their mom left to go get like left the two girls. And I think they were like teens, like early teens, maybe like one of them was preteen, like they were young, but they weren't babies. Um, mm -hmm. The mom left to go get some water for the radiator. And at some point, Christina's sister got out of the car and yelled, oh, my God, come out here quick. And Christina began to get out of the car. And the next thing she remembers after that was the two sisters lying on a blanket in the park. 
And then immediately after that, she remembers that uh, the next thing she remembers is the three of them back in the car and driving away extremely fast. Oh, geez. But they didn't talk about it again. Like, it was just, just like, never discussed it. let's not fucking talk about whatever happened here. Like, we're not going to talk about it. Like, internally, oh, they didn't, like, make that agreement. They just, like, internally were like, you know what? Not interested. Not going to talk about this. Yeah. Let's not speak of this again. It wasn't until they were, like, adults um, and she had experienced not that extreme of, like, they saw something and then that happened. But she experienced blocks of missing time in her life. So... Years later, she called her sister and was like, okay, what the fuck happened that day? Yeah. And after they discussed it and their stories matched up and they both didn't remember exactly what happened, but like every all the little details that they do remember were the same. Man. They decided to reach out to Bud Hopkins. So in 1986, she agreed to go under hypnosis to find out more about what happened to her and her sister. She told a crazy story about what took place during that missing time. Um, her and her sister got out of the car and looked up and saw some uh, something, a very large something. She doesn't describe the craft, though. She just says it was big. <laughs> just large. Just large. Like, whatever the fuck it was, it was big. She said that they went back in the car, but the car wouldn't start. The next thing she remembered was being on a table with weird beings standing around her. She saw a screen as thin as a piece of paper moving around the table, and it kept taking pictures of her. Excuse me? Right? That was a weird detail. It's very bizarre. And that, this, guys, this is 86. This is way before an iPhone. So, like, <laughs> small, thin oh, screen. Around her was a round room filled with what she thought were dials. She said they put huh. some weird rubber pants on her and then left the room. And after they left, she started asking aloud for her sister. And one of them came in and said she was okay. And then um, that the next that was when like the next thing she remembered was her sister on the blanket. So like that was the last thing she remembers before the blanket and then, you know, driving away really fast. Right. So Susan Fox was her psychologist who at the time of the interview was still working with her weekly. And she's certain that Christina is legitimate and that her story is completely true. Ooh. Now, what's interesting about Christina's story is that. She's had, like I said, other moments of missing time uh, since that day, although she can't recall anything even through hypnosis. Like, there's no memories coming up about the other blocks of missing time. So it's all just missing time with zero details. Yeah. The time's just gone. Okay. They've just deleted it, I guess. <laughs> wow. That's all right. But she's also, since that day, had gynecological issues. And uh -huh. according to Bud Hopkins, there have been gynecological issues with several of the women that claim to be abducted, like several of the women that he was profiling. And then I read some more physicians who agreed with that. So there's a very large percentage of women who have claimed to have been abducted or think that they've been abducted who have mild to severe gynecological issues like false pregnancies, miscarriages, um, attempted abortions when no embryo is there. Like, they were told they were pregnant, oh. and then they go to get an abortion, and there's no embryo. What? I didn't even know that could happen. Well, it can't, unless something takes it out of you first. Right, unless it's removed. So, oh um, women with ovarian cysts, women who can't get pregnant, women who have pain that's never identified, it's an astounding percentage. And now this is where uh, my story gets a little personal. I have uh, ovarian 
problems. Um, a lot of pain that no doctor has ever been able to help me with. So when Joe and I saw this episode, like he already knows about the abduction story and he knows about like, you know, the missing time and and he believes me because he, you know, loves me and my story's never changed. But like when mm-hmm. we saw this, we like our jaws hit the floor and we just like stared at each other. Yeah. Because I was like, you texted Holy me shit. that night and my jaw hit the floor. I have I have never heard that connection before. And that blew my mind because you I obviously knew your abduction story as well. And then I also knew what you had struggled with, you know, in your in your uterus. So yeah. I would as soon as you told me that I was like, this is the craziest connection I've ever heard. But I'm also kind of happy to hear that you're not alone. Like there are other women in this world. Yeah, and I'm I'm shocked. I mean, I've had these problems for a long time, but I had never heard that theory. I mean, I obviously heard like the the theories of, or like the exams that have to do with like the right. genitals and like potentially sure. like a pregnancy thing. Um, but I had yeah. never heard about women having like issues afterwards. Yeah, exactly. That was brand new. And I've had. Uh, so, yeah, I've had weird gynecological stuff, especially in the last three years or so. And I'll kind of tell my story so you know that it's, like, weird. It's not just, like, I get cramps. So, um, I had a pelvic exam two years ago, I think it was. And uh, the doctor said she wanted me to get a sonogram because something didn't feel right. So, I got a sonogram and an ultrasound. And the results came back. And another doctor told me that there was a mass on my cervix and I needed to have surgery to remove it. So, fuck. So I go see the doctor who's going to do the surgery, but he wants to do another ultrasound before he like takes me under the knife. He wants to do another one so he can see what he's working with. So he wants to do another one, but it's a a saline sonogram. And essentially Mm. what they do is they open your cervix and they put saline in there and take a look-see. Yeah. So we do this and and he's telling me before we do it, like, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's not going to be too bad. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. You're not the only one to say that. I've heard that the saline is horrific. Holy shit. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Like the sounds that were coming out of me. I was like a whimpering dog. It hurts so bad. And I I, like couldn't. The thing is, guys, and I'm saying guys because women know when your body tenses up. And there's a an object uh, opening Downstairs. your cervix. <laughs> the muscle it hurts worse. Yeah, so you're trying so like hard it. to like relax, but it hurts so bad that you're, it it was bad. It was a really horrible thing, and it's a struggle for everyone. Like he wasn't having a good yeah. time either. So um, he gets what I assume is is um, good news. <laughs> he ends the procedure. He tells me I don't need surgery and he leaves the hospital. Not the room, the hospital. Like I put on like, my clothes. He, he left. He was like, you don't need surgery. And he left. And I put on my clothes and I came out and I was like, yo, is the doctor going to like come talk to me? And the nurse was like, yo, he left. I was like, he what the up fuck? Left. So I called this place oh, like goodness. every day for a month to talk to this doctor. And I never have to this day. I've never spoken to this doctor again. Ugh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that you what? never got in touch with him. Horrible. What a nightmare. I finally actually, I threatened legal action. And a nurse called me and spoke to me and looked at my file, said my results were fine. So like, I don't know if there's a tumor or there wasn't or if doctor number three lied to me and I'm dying. Like, no idea. But Ugh, that is so annoying. I still have weird pains and weird problems all the time and i've had blood tests 
I've been on put on different medications. I've had ultrasounds. I've had pelvic exams. No one can tell me what is wrong. That is so strange. You still have pain, like pelvic pain to this oh, day, yeah. right? Like, I still have ugh. issues. I still have like weird pelvic pain all the time and sometimes it's over here sometimes it's over there i know i have ovarian cysts and that come and go so like it could very well just be that but uh, no one can figure it out so is that insanely frustrating a total coincidence probably was i abducted probably not but when i see all this shit up next to each other i'd be lying if i said i didn't get suspicious yeah. about what happened oh oh ooh, there's another thing so um ooh. i don't know if i've even told you this story so and i don't, totally could be unrelated it's just like a weird thing that my um my abduction story today that doesn't have to do with me reminded me of that i needed to talk about so uh there was a time in 2010 when i woke up with a burn on my arm not a scratch a burn and it looked like mm. fork prongs like th- a three-pronged burn have i told you this story no, I don't think so. It was weird. It didn't hurt, but it was it was like you can tell the difference between like a scrape and like a right a, maybe like it wasn't it wasn't it's like blister. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I hadn't been drinking the night before. I didn't like let someone brand me or anything. And the burn <laughs> wasn't a party trick. Wasn't a party trick. You know, some people do at parties, and they're like, "Burn me with a fork." <laughs> it never scabbed over. Um, it was just a red hot it was hot that's how i knew it was like a burn because it was like really hot and like i couldn't touch it because that burned yeah okay but it never scabbed over and then all of a sudden it was like a whitish scar for a while and now there's 100 percent no trace of it at all so whoa that's Weird. unexplainable but you know put it on my tab just put it on my tab add it to the list had to list Dang, of weird Ashley. fucking things that happened to me. See, Ashley won't admit it because she's trying to be logical and really just give you every side. But I'm listening to all these stories and I say 100% Ashley Cassidy has been abducted by aliens. Part of me is like, girl, you've obviously been abducted by aliens. Just like lean in. And then the other part of me is like, absolutely not. That sounds like I'm a crazy person. No, and I get it. I mean, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's healthy to be a skeptic and not to jump to conclusions, but dang, these are a lot of things lining up right now. Well, it's weird because it was like 2007 is the first thing that I know of. Like, that was the first thing. And I I don't know if you guys... that you remember. Who knows what happened before that? I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Centralia and the surrounding areas have had some wild UFO sightings. Like the mm-hmm. kind where it's like police in several different counties chase something for hours, like those kind of UFO sightings. And it's just like an open rural area. Yeah, it we is lived in the prime. middle of nowhere. <laughs> it is prime. Like it is the place. But I do think it's interesting <sighs> that like people have reported that like they've been abducted and then for like the rest of their lives or for years after, they're basically like checked up on. Yeah. So, well, you got that three prong burn. They I know. were checking in to say hello. And that was in 2010 because it was the first apartment that I lived in out here. So that was three years later. All right. All right. They might be coming back sometime soon. Well, the you're, gynecological you're stuff started about three years ago. So that was okay. 2017. So that was about seven years after the burn. 
So maybe that was the next thing. Yeah. I'm just waiting to, like, go into the hospital and the doctor to, like, go in for an ultrasound and be like, you don't have a cervix. Like, you (laughs) don't have a uterus. It's like, what? There's no uterus here, but there... There's some weird green slime that's yeah. here, but that's about it. Honestly, Just if like they so. said that, I'd be like, that's fine. Good riddance. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's fine. That checks out. Oh, my. Anyway, so that that's, was, that was, that's pretty wild. That was all I wanted to say about that. No, I loved that. Since the moment, that is actually what spurred us to do another Aliens episode, how we were talking about earlier what held us back. I think that's what brought us back to doing Aliens was because you texted me and you're like, Lauren, listen to this. (laughs) Yeah, You're like, people might have reproductive issues after an abduction. I was like, okay, well, the world needs to know about this. I hope you will talk about it on the podcast. And then this was sort of born. So as much as I'm not happy that you have those issues, I feel like you see that episode was what kind of brought us back to this and that's honestly such an interesting fact that I that a lot of people probably have never heard about abductions and maybe there will be other people that don't feel so alone hearing that who knows so um basically what Lauren is saying is thank god for coronavirus because I would have (laughs) never watched unsolved mysteries without it watched hours and hours of unsolved I actually got burnt out and like we haven't watched it in weeks because Joe is like do you want to watch this I'm like never again I don't we watched about 40 fucking episodes in a week Jesus and I can't you have to take a breather it is time you need a cleanse (laughs) my goodness anyways That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Don't worry, we have an entire hour left of alien abductions, so tune in next week to hear two more crazy stories. And Lauren is also going to be teaching us about the Black Knight Satellite. And we have a lot of fun. Please check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast if you want to donate to our show and get some monthly goodies as well. Buy some of our merch at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast and make sure that you reach out to get your 10 to 20% off if you are a patron. Don't forget, follow us on social media at keep it weird cast across all platforms. Review our show on iTunes. Hopefully if you've made it this far into any of our episodes, you'll rate us five stars. <laughs> we may be cursed to never know anything more about UFOs thanks to that douchebag Philip Class, but you guys keep searching for us, okay? The truth is out there. We'll see you next week. Keep it weird. (laughs) Oh, I don't know why. Candace of all (laughs) names just really cracks me up. Like, Like, I don't know what it is. It's just such a funny name to call a Lauren and an Ashley. And it's such an out of the blue name. I don't know where it came from. It's so specific. Ugh.